Cottywample with the Shadow People is a narrative podcast about friendship, magic, mystery, and the divine feminine. This podcast sometimes deals with topics of a sensitive nature, so listener discretion is advised. This episode contains death caused by medical malpractice and near-infant fatality. Do you feel that? Do you feel the soil envelop you? Do you feel it wrap around you like a blanket your mother held you in? Do you feel it between your toes, brushing against your lips? Can you taste it on your tongue? Did you have a nice nap? Are you ready to wake up? Are you ready to push yourself from the soil that has revitalized you? Then you, my sweet dirt woman, are ready to cottywomple with the shadow people. Episode four, The Dirt Woman Blossoms. Lilith stared into the eyes of the girl in the picture, eyes that were full of hope. They looked nothing like the frightened, tired eyes of the girl she had spoken to just days before. The words below the picture read, Ophelia Paulson, age 17, died on the evening of April 28th. Cause of death appears to be an undiagnosed stomach virus that went untreated for too long. She is survived by her parents, Dan and Elsa, and her older brother, Leighton. There will be a private ceremony held for her. In lieu of flowers, the family asks, Lilith stopped reading and let the paper drop from her hands. Undiagnosed stomach virus? She could not believe the absurdity. She hunched over, feeling like the wind had been knocked out of her. She remembered the cross she saw in the teacup on the day she gave the girl the herbs. The cross that meant death. Minerva noticed the change in her demeanor. What's gotten into you? Lilith said nothing. She handed the article to her mentor. After a minute, Minerva looked up and said, The loss of life is always tragic, especially one so young. Did you know? My husband's the one who took your ruined penny royal, Lilith blurted out before Minerva could finish her question. Minerva was quiet for a moment, but not surprised. I figured, she said before a look of realization crossed her face. You think he gave it to this girl? It was not a question. I know he did. He left a bag for her in his office. She took it. I I could smell the herbs inside it. She looked around the garden. Can all of these herbs kill people? Minerva was calm. Too much of anything can kill anybody. That's why I'm giving you these lessons. So you know how to use these herbs to heal people without accidentally killing them. She hugged the shaking Lilith and tried to soothe her. Small doses of ruined pennyroyal can be brewed in tea and used to empty a person's womb. You have to carefully measure out the dose for each individual person. You certainly don't mix the two together. If the dose is too high, it can be fatal. And judging by the amount of it that was stolen from my garden, I have a pretty good idea what caused the girl's stomach virus. Lilith swallowed hard before asking the hardest question she had ever had to ask out loud. 
Do you think Adam meant to hurt her? Minerva just held her, but did not answer. Lilith did not really need an answer because she already knew the truth. Minerva made Lilith some lavender tea to calm her nerves. It eased her shaking hands slightly, but not entirely. A few drops accidentally splashed out of her teacup. She finished the tea and glanced down at the bottom. She saw the shape of a tiny broken ring in the tea leaves. Mother always said that that meant divorce. Her eyes darted around Minerva's kitchen, trying to find something that would distract her from uncomfortable thoughts. Her gaze landed on a weathered photograph in an ornate frame. It showed a younger Minerva holding a small girl with giggling eyes. Lilith stared at the picture for a couple moments before asking Minerva if she had had a child. The older woman looked up from her teacup and took a deep, controlled breath before answering. I have a daughter, she said with a sad smile. She's a therapist and lives in town. Lilith had never heard Minerva speak so softly. There was something wistful in her voice, something almost like remorse. Lilith felt guilty for bringing it up and did not want to press her mentor too hard. But Minerva kept talking without any other catalyst. We hadn't spoken in years because I... <clears throat> well, a few months ago she called and we've been trying to reconnect. She wants me to come live with her. At first I said no, but <laughs> she's been quite persistent. I wonder where she gets that from. <laughs> but if you go, who will take care of this place? Minerva took a long sip of her tea before answering. Well, I suppose I should be honest with you. I'm not just training you to be a midwife. I'm training you to be the chateau's caretaker. Lilith almost spat out her tea and began to protest, but Minerva stopped her. The chateau must always stand, and for it to stand, it needs a caretaker. Lilith was stunned by the revelation but not too stunned to ask her why her daughter couldn't move into the chateau and take over. Minerva quickly downed her cup of tea and looked up at the clock. Oh, would you look at the time? The rough edge to her voice returned. You gotta get back to your malpracticing hubby. <laughs> Same time tomorrow? She took Lilith's teacup and handed her her sun hat before quickly shooing her out the door. As the door slammed behind her, Lilith was certain that she heard a quick, stifled sob come from the other side. She donned her sun hat and hurried home. The sun was going down and for a brief worried moment she feared that she would not beat Adam to the house. She had already begun formulating an excuse for her tardiness in her head when she made it to her backyard. She ran through the garden path and realized that none of the lights in the house were on. Adam was not home yet. She breathed a sigh of relief as she unlocked the back door. She walked to the kitchen and pulled a sweet potato casserole that she had made early that morning from the icebox and began heating it on the stove. Twenty minutes passed and there was still no sign of Adam. She set the table as the casserole cooled. Forty-five minutes passed. Adam was never this late unless he had to make an emergency house call. An hour passed. Lilith had already eaten two helpings of the casserole by the time she heard the front door open. Evening, sweet potato. 
Adam smiled a tad too cheerfully as he walked into the kitchen. Sorry I had to work late. He kissed her cheek before sitting down and fixing himself a plate. Lilith noted that his breath smelled like he had recently rinsed it out with something sweet. She sat silently as he scooped a generous helping of casserole onto his plate. He took a bite, smiled, and complimented the meal. Adam never compliments my cooking, Lilith thought to herself. Lilith smiled but stayed silent as he ate. Too many thoughts jumped around in her head. She figured she could overthink the smell of his breath and his too cheery attitude tomorrow. Right now, she had a much more pressing thought on her mind. There was really no graceful way to broach the subject, so she blurted out, You remember that patient from the other day? The one you left the bag for? Adam mumbled a mm-hmm, but did not look up from his plate. She died. Adam stopped chewing, but still didn't look up. The paper said it was stomach troubles. Adam finally looked up at her, his eyes cool and his jaw tense. Well, she must have gone to that shadow woman in the woods. I warned her against it. The herbs that woman peddles can kill you. Lilith remembered the last words she heard the girl say. I'm not going to let some wicked shadow woman touch me. She knew then and there that her husband was lying. You know, Adam said as he sipped his wine, I try to tell everyone in this town that women like her just can't be trusted. He smiled an all-too-patronizing smile, but there was something sinister behind his eyes. Lilith swallowed hard, but she did not break his gaze. She felt as if she was trying to burn two holes right through his head. He stood up from the table and walked over to kiss the top of her head. We'll light a candle for the girl. Good night, sweet potato. And with that, he went upstairs to bed. Lilith stayed and sat at the table in silence, angered by her husband's lies, disheartened by his callousness, angered and disheartened, but not surprised. She kept replaying his cold words in her head, particularly what he said about Minerva. Women like her just can't be trusted. It sounded like a caveat. He was warning her not to venture from the primrose garden path into the woods. And if she did, he would do everything in his power to poison the town against her, even if it meant actually poisoning people. She pushed herself from the table and left out the back door to the garden, not even bothering to tidy up the kitchen. She stomped outside, trying to hold off her tears, resisting the urge to throw something. She had to leave. She had to leave his house. She would leave town if he was to turn everyone in it against her. She kicked and stomped at the soil of the garden he loved so much. She kicked and stomped until she collapsed into sobs. She cried until her tears turned the dirt underneath her to mud. She cried until there was no water left in her. She took a few deep breaths and looked up and around at the garden as if she was trying to apologize for her histrionic display. Her eyes landed on the rosemary on the side of the stone path. It had withered and died. Minerva had told her that if you don't tend to its roots, rosemary can die quickly. She crawled over to the sad little plant. She pulled it up from the ground and hugged it to her chest. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry I couldn't keep you alive. I'm so sorry my husband killed you. I'm sorry your man left. 
I'm sorry your family didn't take care of you. I'm sorry that you were afraid. I'm so sorry that you were hurt. I'm so sorry that you died. Her sobs grew louder as she realized that she had given the rosemary the eulogy that the girl, Ophelia Paulson, deserved. She pulled the rosemary away from her chest and gently touched the tiny bristles as if it was brushing Ophelia's hair out of her face. She stuck one hand in the soil and began to dig. When she had dug a hole big enough for her liking, she carefully laid the rosemary down in it. She wasn't replanting the rosemary. She was burying it. She was giving it a funeral. When she had the plant completely covered, she sat with her tiny burial plot for a long time. She eventually stood up and slowly made her way to the back door. But then she heard something that sounded like crawling and cracking behind her. She turned to see that the rosemary had sprouted up from the spot where she had buried it, bigger and healthier than ever. Lilith woke up on the couch. She could not bring herself to sleep in the same bed with Adam, and judging by his snoring, she was sure that she wasn't missed. The couch was lumpy and the upholstery was scratchy, but it was the best night's sleep she had gotten since, well, since she had gotten married. She wrapped the throw blanket around her shoulders and dragged herself to the kitchen. She put a pot of coffee on and stared out the picture window at the garden, particularly the rosemary. She thought back to the time she helped Minerva replant the rue and pennyroyal. She remembered how the browning leaves turned green after she touched them. She remembered what Minerva said about her having a... a green thumb. Good morning, sweet potato. Lilith did not jump this time when she heard Adam's too cheerful greeting. She didn't even try to hide the grimace as he kissed her cheek. Are those the same clothes from yesterday? Lilith looked down and realized that she had slept in her clothes. Oh yes, I suppose they are. Adam glanced at the table. Is there no breakfast? Lilith smiled lazily as she walked to the pantry and pulled out a box of cereal. She unceremoniously placed it on the table and then moseyed to the cupboard to grab two bowls. As soon as she opened the cupboard doors, she was treated to the sight of a dead cockroach. At least Lilith thought it was dead. It was on its back, but one of its legs were still twitching. She thought back to the rosemary in the garden. She quickly picked up the roach and placed it in her pocket before Adam could notice, and took two bowls from the cupboard. She fetched the cereal and filled the bowls. She dropped the bowls on the table haphazardly with a thud. She looked back up at Adam and merely said, Bon appetit. Adam was taken back by her caustic attitude, but he did not have time to address it. He just pulled the milk from the fridge, and sat down. Lilith poured a cup of coffee and carried it over to the table. Adam smiled and held out his hand, expecting that the cup was for him, but instead of handing him the cup, she walked past him, sat down, and held the cup to her own lips. She sipped loudly, never looking up to meet his furrowed gaze. Are you all right, sweet potato? Never better, she said, gently slamming the cup down. Some coffee splashed out, burning her fingers, but she couldn't be prevailed upon to care. 
Adam said nothing as he stood up to pour himself a cup of coffee. While you're up, can you grab the spoons? After a tense breakfast, Adam left for work. Lilith was grateful that he didn't try to kiss her on the cheek. She would have slapped him if he did. How could he just go on with his life, sleeping and eating and smiling that smug smile as if he wasn't aware that he poisoned a girl? Lilith wondered what other patients he had intentionally hurt. Miss Imogen? Miss Duffy? Did he even try to help Miss Bianca's baby? His words from the night before played on a loop in her head. I try to tell everyone in this town that women like her just can't be trusted. He stole those herbs and gave them to that poor Ophelia girl, knowing that if any questions were asked about her death, he could easily sick the town on Minerva. Lilith finished her cup of coffee and reached into her pocket, pulling out the cockroach. She walked out to the garden, cradling the tiny critter in her hand as if it was a tiny baby. She knelt down to one side of the stone path and dug a tiny hole with her free hand. As she delicately placed the insect in his little grave, she wondered if she should say a few words. After a few moments, all she could think to say was, I'm sorry you had to spend your final moments in the house of a murderer. She covered the small body with soil and waited. She wanted to test out a theory she had about herself. If her theory was wrong, then nobody would ever know that she held a funeral for a bug. But if she was right, maybe she could undo the damage that Adam had done. She waited for a long time, so long that her stomach started to growl for lunch. She had almost given up hope when she heard a familiar cracking and crawling sound. She lowered her hand to closely inspect the grave. She saw two tiny antennae wiggling out of the dirt, then a head, then the whole cockroach climbing out of the dirt and shaking itself clean. She watched it scurry away down the stone path. She went back inside to get ready for her lessons with Minerva. Before she left for the day, she made a call to the clinic. Eve answered with her cheery, hopeful voice. Lilith informed her that she would not be stopping by with lunch and that Eve would have to go pick something up. Eve was more than happy to oblige. She was about to head down the path to the chateau when something inside of her possessed her feet to go back upstairs. She walked to her closet and packed a suitcase with just a few necessities. She had a feeling she was going to have to start slowly moving her things out of the house. Adam's house. It certainly did not feel like hers anymore. She left the house, suitcase in hand, and walked towards the chateau in a determined stride. She had only made it to the bottom of the step of the old house's front porch when Minerva opened the door. You're late, she said, pointing to Lilith's suitcase. You're going to need a few more suitcases. Well, come on in. I've already made you a cup of tea. Lilith sat down with her cup and proceeded to tell Minerva everything. She told her about Adam's cryptic words and lies. She told her about the rosemary and the cockroach coming back to life. But Minerva just sat and listened, not saying anything until Lilith's head collapsed into her hands. The older, wiser woman reached over and gently touched her arm. I told you you had a green thumb. I knew you had the gift of regeneration from the first night I met you. I saw you bring that rue back to life. That's part of the reason I chose you to be my replacement. Lilith smiled weakly. I thought you hated me that first night. I didn't hate you. 
I just didn't know if I could trust you. But now I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I can trust you with the lives of the mothers and babies in this town. And that's why I'm going to help you with a very important lesson today. I'm going to teach you how to fully uproot yourself from a bad situation and replant yourself where you can grow and blossom. Lilith allowed her smile to grow. When she finished her tea, she saw that the tea leaves had taken the shape of a key. Her mother never told her what that shape meant, but she knew deep down in her bones that it meant freedom. I have some suitcases you can borrow. What kind of mentor would I be if I didn't help you pack? It didn't take the women very long to pack up Lilith's belongings. She didn't have many. She had not realized until this moment how little she had brought with her when she married Adam and moved into his house. The light load made it easier to make the trek back to the chateau. Each woman carried two suitcases, though Lilith also had a knapsack full of sentimental trinkets. She left her wedding ring on the tray by the kitchen sink. She almost dropped it down the drain, but she thought better of it. The women were walking out the back door when the phone began to ring. Minerva initially told Lilith to ignore it, but something in the incessant ringing made the younger woman's stomach drop. She told Minerva to go onto the chateau and that she would meet up with her. Minerva grumbled but agreed and started walking down the path. Lilith sat her bags down and ran to pick up the phone. Dr. Adam? screamed the familiar voice of a panicked Miss Duffy. Uh, no ma'am. I believe he's at the clinic. No, I've called there a dozen times. The receptionist didn't even answer. Miss Duffy, what's wrong? My son, I put him down for a nap a couple hours ago. I didn't hear a peep out of him, and, and when I went in to check on him, he wouldn't wake up. He just wouldn't wake up. I need the doctor right now. Lilith had to think quick. I don't know where the doctor is, Miss Duffy, but you stay right there, keep trying to gently wake him up, and I'll be over as soon as possible. And with that, she ran out the door and down the street, not even bothering to lock the door. As she ran to the distraught woman's house, she noticed a looming shadow following her down the street. She looked up to see a giant owl flying overhead, as if guiding her. She made it to Miss Duffy's house and barged through the door without stopping to take a breath. She followed the sounds of sobs coming from a back room. She found Miss Duffy weeping over her baby's cradle. I can't tell if he's breathing. I knew I shouldn't have let him sleep on his stomach. Dr. Adams said it was best. He said sleeping on his stomach would prevent choking in case he spit up, but I never should have listened to him. Lilith quickly but carefully approached the crib. She picked up the young boy and gently placed him on the floor. She checked his throat to make sure nothing was stuck in there. She lightly compressed his little chest, trying to hear the faintest sound of breath. She tried to resuscitate him for fifteen minutes, but the boy would not wake up, and his breath was non-existent. She checked his pulse. It was faint and gradually slowing. She somberly looked up at the grieving mother, who upon understanding collapsed to the floor in sobs. Lilith crawled over to Miss Duffy and tried to console her. As she held her, she glimpsed outside to their modest garden. Her eyes darted back to the infant lying on the floor. 
She thought of the rosemary and the cockroach that she had somehow regenerated. Miss Duffy, do you trust me to try one more thing to help your son? Miss Duffy considered her words for just a moment, and in a small, whispered voice, she said, Whatever it takes! Lilith gathered up the child in her arms and walked out the back door. She rested the boy on the dirt and began to dig a small hole. Miss Duffy followed and watched in an almost catatonic state. You're burying him? She asked in a broken voice. Lilith told her to think about it more as an incubator than a grave. She picked the child up, held him close for a moment, and whispered, I'm sorry this happened to you. Your mama loves you very much. She wants to see you grow up. And with that, she placed him in the hole and began to cover him with dirt, careful not to cover his mouth. The women sat in deafening silence for several minutes. The only sound that broke the quiet was an owl's distant hoot. Lilith's heart pounded in her ears. The pounding was so loud she almost missed the familiar sound of cracking and crawling. She looked down when she heard Miss Duffy gasp. She saw ten tiny fingers reach up through the dirt. She quickly dug the baby out, and he immediately started crying in her arms. She stood up and handed the child to his mama. I don't understand. What did you do? Lilith did not answer. She still wasn't entirely sure how to explain the gift Minerva said she had. Miss Duffy held her baby close and thanked Lilith profusely. Lilith smiled and left mother and child to settle themselves. She slowly made the trek back to the house to get her suitcases, already practicing what she would say to Adam if he was there. But as she passed the fancy restaurant, the same one that Adam took her to all those years ago, she realized she would not have to worry about seeing him at the house. As she glanced in the restaurant window, she saw Adam sitting at the table across from Eve. A half-eaten apple pie sat on a plate between them. They must have had a long lunch together. That's why they weren't there to answer Miss Duffy's call. She stood there like a statue as she watched as he reached over and brushed the young, hopeful girl's cheek. A strange sort of numbing relief washed over Lilith, like ice water on a burn. This explained why he had been coming home so late. Lilith was happy that she wouldn't have to have a painful, awkward goodbye with Adam tonight. She had spent so much time thinking that she did not fit into his puzzle, when in reality, he did not fit into hers. Maybe Eve and Adam would fit better together but she was still sad to know what path lay before Eve. She knew that Eve's future was not unlike her own present. Lilith went to the house to collect her bags, once again not caring to lock the doors. She stomped down the garden path, not once looking behind her. She saw a familiar owl-shaped shadow guiding her footsteps back to the chateau. As she approached the imposing, verdant house, she saw Minerva sitting on the front porch waiting for her. Lilith dropped her bags and collapsed into one of the porch's rocking chairs. She started to tell Minerva about Miss Duffy and the baby and Eve and Adam, but Minerva just held up her hand. Something in her eyes made Lilith think that she already knew. 
The older woman handed her apprentice a cup of lavender tea and allowed her to compose herself. As Lilith finished the tea, she could see the tea leaves take the shape of an owl. Her mother would say that an owl meant gossip, but she knew in her heart it meant protector. Hell, maybe in this case it meant both. When Lilith was calm, Minerva told her that saving the infant would cause the whole town to talk. Many would see her as a savior, but many would see her as wicked. She told her apprentice to pay no mind to the people who would besmirch her honor. She said to focus on those who seek her help. She told her that she would not be able to help everyone. She told her to offer her assistance when she could and to accept assistance when she should. She told her that she had to leave Adam's garden to create her own, to help others grow. She told her to be like the dirt. Be soft when things must grow. Be hard when you need a foundation. Be strong. Be nurturing. Allow yourself to die in the winter and be reborn in the spring. And most importantly, do not fear the storm that is coming. Sometimes a storm is exactly what a garden needs. My sweet dirt woman, you have been uprooted, replanted, and reborn. You have unlocked the power in your green thumb while distancing yourself from those who would keep you under theirs. You have spread your wings and flown away to your new life. You are free, dirt woman, to cottywomple with the shadow people. Cottywomple with the Shadow People was created and performed by Shay Lee and edited by Jonathan Strickland. Special thanks to Lucas Ryan and Jenny Milam. Music by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech Music.